0: Of Briscoe and Bradshaw, I would be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And in my business, I was so lucky to work with so many great guys from The Undertaker to Big Show to Booker T, Eddie Guerrero, John Cena on the wrestling side and on the referee side. Nick Patrick and this man had most of my matches, and I'm such an honor to share a ring with him because I knew his uh, father and his uncle incredibly well. It's one of the most famous families in the history of professional wrestling, the Hebner family, and he is Mr. Brian Hebner.
1: Brian, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, boys. Jerry, good to see you as well, and I'm trying to figure out if this show can be any more entertaining than our exchanges of text that we had earlier today. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, don't <doubt> it. <laughs> I, I don't know sometimes you know those keyboard warriors like jbl they get rolling you know they're two, uh, a thousand miles away he ain't scared enough a thousand miles away but if we were across the hall from each other i guarantee you, the tone of the text would be a hell of a lot different well, of Brian, course,
3: it, well i'm safe from you right <laughs> where i am i know you can't get
0: to me so hey bright let me so bright to share with our audience I was flying from D.C. to Vegas, and I was trying to get the captain to unleash the contents of the lavatory onto the state of Oklahoma when I was texting you guys.
2: And yeah. man, you know what? It was a Texas pilot. and He miscalculated Oklahoma and did it right over the panhandle of Texas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I told you boys to behave when we got on here tonight. This is uh, okay. Okay.
2: Hey, hey, Brian, man, great to have y'all, man. We we've been wanting y'all. We've had we had your old man on uh, before. We got some wonderful stories about about your family, your family history. Just take us back a little bit. You know, when did you realize? Tell us a little bit about your high school days. Were you, were you an athlete? Or when did you did you get ribbed by your friends when when they realized who who uh,
1: Brian Habner was? Um, really kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I was a very good athlete. As a matter of fact, um, my uh my two best athletic sports were uh, baseball and basketball. Believe it or not. And, um, baseball was my best. That was where I really excelled. I was a catcher. And, um, you know, as far as going back to being a kid, uh, I get asked this a lot and believe it or not, I actually envisioned in my mind that I was going to be a wrestler for quite a while. Um, and then my dad kind of made me look in the mirror and I was on some stuff called body by Birdseed, um, which is a non-generic drug that, Basically says you're a skinny little fuck and you're not going to be a wrestler. (laughs) Um, So uh, wrestling became more of me visualizing and saying, okay, well, maybe I should be smart like the old man and maybe think about this refereeing route. Because me being a wrestler is not going to work. Because I used to travel with my dad up and down the road back in the Crockett Cup days uh, on the the big school bus. I don't know if he told you guys about it, if you all remember the story, but he drove around in this big blue bus. He would buy a big bus that was yellow and he painted the bitch blue. And um, he had cages strapped on each side for each side of the ring. And uh, the whole thing was gutted out and had the old ring and all the posts and all that stuff. And we had a little area in the front that was boxed in uh, with a fiberglass. We could look and see if everything was situated and not flying around and all that. Uh So I would go to all these towns and help my dad set up the ring. And some of the boys would come in early and they would work around with me and play around with me. And I was like literally taking bumps like at like six years old, seven years old. Um, and it didn't hurt then. But as I got to like 10, I was like, damn, this shit hurts. No way. Um, so that's where I quickly pretty much transitioned from thoughting the thought process of being a wrestler to a referee. It was really cool, though. Those days were really like really, really memorable, really cool days. Uh, I I remember my dad really working his ass off. He'd set the ring up. He would uh, uh, at this point in time, he would be doing the announcing duties. He would tear the ring down. We'd all step to the wee hours of the night, going to the next town, uh, have a big kerosene heater in the middle of the bus, he- heating us all up, you know, because it didn't have heat. Um, and then, you know, eventually. Wait a minute, we got- you
2: guys drove around those Virginia hills on those cold-ass winter nights in Virginia with no heat. The- That's like old school bus days that John and I both experienced in athletic days. You get those old Bluebird buses. Make a two hundred mile road trip in high school, and and come back, and the bus would be froze over, man. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, yeah. It was,
0: uh, it was our it burn, was- our burning up through the heat. One of the yeah. two. It, it yeah. was never
1: like it was never comfortable uh-huh. on those buses, and and it wasn't on this either. Trust me, it wasn't. <laughs> but it was the good old days, believe it or not. So, but uh-huh. yeah, but um, as far as school, um, everyone kind of knew. I would say from my late elementary years on through, uh, who my dad was, who my uncle was and that kind of thing. And, it really it was, it was, it was looked at as cool. Brian's Brian's got a cool ass dad. Uh, uh-huh. look, he's on TV, uh, always questioned all the time. It just got to where it is like it is now, you know, when you're uh-huh. done with it, you hate talking about it. You know what I mean? Um, but I only got heat a couple of times and that would be the obvious ones when, um, their superhero Hulk Hogan lost his belt in the uh, Montreal Screwjob is when I took a lot of heat but other than that everybody loved me.
0: Well, Wait yeah. wait what about the first uh, twin screw job how old were you then it was I don't forget what it was the late 80s right so
1: yeah so uh, if it was the late 80s I was right around uh that 15 16 year old so I was so in the when
0: uh, when when your uncle came Dave came in and uh, the evil you know, twin. Your dad came in and, and took your uncle's spot the
2: the, the twin Evil twins. Twin the Evil Twin night
1: yeah, was that,
0: that, that a problem with you at school
1: it was yeah it was Um, uh, my dad got called a lot of names my dad was called <laughs> a lot of names uh you know because it was hogan man it was the hero that was the biggest star superstar hero that, that was out at that point and he got screwed by a uh, freaking hebner um <laughs> so yeah i caught some flack about it i mean i was even pissed about it because that my was dad the greatest promo
0: ever when hogan goes how much did the plastic surgery cost you so much
1: <laughs> that's just the greatest promo ever did, did you guys know uh, briscoe i know you know probably or will remember this they didn't know that my dad existed as a twin for him right yeah i know that yeah they were doing auditions trying to find guys that looked like david and i don't know who it was i don't remember the story with who it was that came through and went uh vince you know that david's got a twin brother <laughs> it was crazy yeah, right.
0: you, your dad told us a story on here that was it's, it's insane. They were looking for referees that looked alike, and finally your your uncle says, you know, I've got a twin.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> Unbelievable.
0: So
1: how old were you during the during the Montreal screw job? That was when I was older. Uh that was when school, I think, well, let's see.
0: Yeah, because that was what ninety Six or so, right?
1: Ninety-six or ninety-seven. I'm not sure. Okay, I can't can't remember. It was ninety-seven. So actually, I was graduated from um, high school. So yeah, Yeah. so that was okay. I mean, um, you know, it was just weird. It was just really weird. Um, The whole thing for me was all weird. Just really weird. It was a bad. Did
2: did he have heat with you? Who did? Say again. Did you have? uh, Did he have heat with you? Were you mad at him for it?
1: No, I wasn't mad at him because I understood the the, the situation. Um, yeah, and I understood he was trying to protect the company he worked for. Um, I do know that he said he was handled pretty roughly by the man in front of my screen. Um, <laughs>
2: JBL, I told you about that. <laughs>
0: it was not me. No no, 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 no. no, Hey, I wondered all those years, Brian, because I was in the locker room with, with your dad and your uncle, and Dave came and got the bags right before the match started. And I said, Dave, anything up? You because know, I'd already asked Tim, what is anything going to happen? And Tim had no idea. He goes, no, I don't think so. No, no, no fireworks. I said, okay. So none of the boys ex- suspected anything, nobody. When Dave got his bag, I said, Dave, something up. He goes, no, no, it's moving our bags to the car. I realized now, and I asked your dad was, had you, he just been told, and he hadn't been told that there was a, what was coming, but he told him, get the bags and wait in the car because I told, I told
2: Dave, I told Dave, there'd be a controversial finish, which there was going to be a controversial finish. I said, you know, and Montreal is really hard to get out of said, I'm giving you guys a head up. You know, you might want to get the car ready and and ready to go. So with or without telling him what was going on, you know, and you guys know Montreal is a hard ass place to get out of anyway. So, so I just, I give, gave him a heads up to get out, get out of Dodge. (laughs)
1: So Jerry, Jerry, I uh, have a question for you. I should probably save this for when you're on my oh, show. Oh, yeah,
2: save, save it for. for, for no, don't whenever.
1: save it, because we can. Okay, so, okay, go for I mean, it. I have to ask this. I bet you. I bet J.B. <laughs> I bet would love to know the answer to this. Can you tell me, maybe not word for word, but can you tell me what you said to my dad?
2: Oh, I can. I can give you a generic. I've just told him. I. Uh, he told me, I said, I I, I got something you got to do. And he said, I, he said, what? And I told him, he said, I don't think I do it. And he said, I said, I just told him, I, you know, you got mortgage to pay, just like I do, you know, Brett, Brett's leaving. You want him to take your belt with you? Yeah. You know, I just gave him the generic stuff, you know, and just told him, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have a job, you know, and I don't worry about anything. You know, everybody's going to take care of you on this deal. I just told him the 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 business stuff you know I, I didn't threaten him I didn't grab him and bruise him or anything like that I just looked him in the eyes
0: <laughs> hey, but Jerry, go back a little bit because you the story Vincent told you the night before, and then you waited up till the music was playing to talk to Earl right
2: yeah well uh, you know i I you know usually the referee goes out early and i I, I kind of drew him back and i I told Bruce go ahead and send the talent out i've got I gotta tell I gotta tell him or something. So uh, they went out, and uh, you know, the, the side ramp, it was easy in Montreal to get out that little side ramp. So I waited until, until both participants were just about in the ring, or uh, I think whoever came second shot, I waited until his music started playing. Then I slipped uh, Hebner in, in through the side. But, yeah, we waited. We waited until, until – I just – I wanted to make sure he's right within Timmy White being there, John. Timmy came, Timmy was, you know, such a company guy, he's always come down, you you going to need me tonight, any ref bumps? I said, well, the match might get a little rough. Why don't you just stick by just in case we need you tonight? So I had, I had, had after I had uh, Timmy White standing by just, just for, uh, 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 you know, just in case uh, uh, Earl uh, uh, said he couldn't do it, you know, so, and we had all, all of our bases covered. And, and 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 Dem didn't have a clue why he was waiting or what the finish was going to be. I was going to have to buzz him, but I was banking a, I was banking on Baby Earl doing the right thing for the company, and he did.
0: So that's a pretty big uh, decision, there, Jerry, to wait till that long. Because if Earl says, "I'm just not going to do it,"
2: I know, gotta, I know. But well, let's well, see, yeah, Earl, 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 uh, as good a man as he is. If I would have told him, you know, right at the beginning of the day, he would have had to walk around that arena and you guys know how it is and look everybody in eyeball and, 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 and baby Earl is too good of a man to sit there and lie flat ass to somebody. If, if he's asked, you know, do you know what's going on? And, and so um, I had to, I had no other choice, but to wait. and you're right. It was a calculated risk that that we took and it was worth it because I, I knew baby Earl would do it but also had an insured policy where I had Tim Wyatt a company guy that I know I could have told at the last minute and he would have gone out and done, done exactly what baby Earl did.
1: I think he made a right call because I can tell you knowing the way my dad is, my dad is a responsive guy. He's one of those guys that just reacts. Mm-hmm. You give him a thought you're right. And he runs around with it all day. There was a good chance that he would talk himself out of it, talking with David and all that right. because they don't know the situation as well as you guys back there though. You know what I mean? Right. So, I think fast fly, hey, this guy's gonna take our belt. He's gonna do this. He's gonna, Do you want that to happen? Earl, you're gonna fucking do this. And you fired him up and he was, and that's the way he is. He's like, you're yeah. fucking right. I'm gonna fucking do it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah.
2: And I felt so bad for Earl too, you know I mean? Earl had given Brandon his word. He told me that he had given uh, Brad his word that he, he wouldn't screw him.
0: Yeah. Wait, wait a minute, then, wait a minute. Hey, hey Jerry, it's a little nuance but Earl said he wouldn't count him out.
2: So it, yeah. <laughs> Earl didn't yeah. count him out. He was qualified. I mean, yeah. Said he yeah. 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 He did the tap, but that, yeah, it's a little nuance there, but I, I just, <laughs> you know, and, and Earl's, like I said, I mean, there's nobody better than, than Earl Hebner and, uh, and, uh, and a guy to his word and everything. So I just wanted to make sure that, that he was okay. And, uh, you know, he was the first one I got out of the damn ring too. I mean, he I didn't have to access him. I mean, he he looked like Hussein boat boating out of that damn ring down to that parking. And like once again, you guys know you gotta run down. You can't wait for that big ass freight elevator. You gotta get down those steps. He told me it was down those steps and two steps.
1: <laughs> and I believe him. <laughs> I haven't seen him run faster than that since, I can tell you that. <laughs> so, Jerry, what were you thinking all day? I I I was I was
0: thinking this whole place is gonna melt.
2: I I stayed away from everybody I possibly could. I had a couple of matches I had to had had to run, and I did my matches, and then I just found me a a quiet place where I could kind of sit, you know, away from all everybody because I didn't want to talk to anybody. I mean, my my best friends Bruce Pritchard and Jim Ross and Pat. I couldn't talk to Pat because Pat, you know, he would he would lose it in a second. You know, Jim, I didn't want Jim involved, I, you know, the knowledge of what was going down and Bruce sitting there running the gorilla. I didn't, I didn't want Bruce, Bruce to take any heat either. Cause he had to, you know, he had to have everything on his mind to get that gorilla job done the right way. So I was basically by myself. Jack Lanza was the, really the closest guy I came to talking to that night and kind of just, get because he said man you look tight you look really wound up and i said yeah i said i said uh, you know it's been a, been a long weekend for me you know i just gave him some excuses but I almost well i know i could trust jack because we all could trust jack lander we all know that you know and uh but you know i, I it, was, it was tough every once in a while i'd pass Vince, and i'd sit there with he and i would talk to each other three or four minutes just kind of Ease attention and everything, but that other than that, I didn't talk to anybody that whole damn day.
0: And, and Vincent asked you, Did you talk to Earl yet? Right?
2: So, a few yeah, times yeah. he asked me two or three times that I talked to Earl, and I said, No, I haven't. You know, when you and it was like everybody, When you go talk to him? when you what, what you know, I said, When when it gets when the timing is right, you know, and that was that. I gotta give Vince credit. He, he, he kind of threw it in my plate and it said, take it. And I took it and, uh, and uh, he let me do exactly, you know, what, what we needed to do and, uh, and didn't question anything at all. You know, <laughs> and so I, I felt appreciated for that. That's the last thing you want. If somebody questioned your, your deal after you spent months a night worrying about it, putting it all together, you know, but Sean, Sean was a nervous wreck. And I told Sean during the night that's you and I, you know, let's don't talk a lot, which we didn't talk a lot anyway, you know, during the day pat Pat, was Pat's match. And so, you know, we just kind of let Pat, Pat handle the match. And, and, uh, I, I'd ask Sean, we all set, you know, the spot all set. When are we going to do it and stuff like that? Just so I I had a deal, but it was always in passing. It wasn't sitting down with him in public. Like I was planning something out with Sean and we're, we're running uh show tomorrow night too, or whenever it is.
1: Don't let's you talk, just let's me, talk
2: about Hebner.
1: Yeah, don't you just call it a showdown, buddy. That's called reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. Come on now. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, reffing It goodness. Up.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where'd you go? Who come up with that name, that Canadian
1: or you? No, that was me. That was me. That was you. I, yeah. I thought. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You know
0: what, though, Brian? I always thought your dad got the worst bum rap out of all of that because he was the last guy on the chain. You know, he he wasn't the one even close to making the decision. You know, he got put in a position where he either had a job or he didn't have a job, and and no matter what you think about right or wrong, I I thought your dad made the right decision, and I I always will. But that I've always thought it, it kind of sucks that your dad got the, some of the blame for this because he he certainly wasn't the one going. Hey, by the way, I think I'm going to uh, just count Brett out here.
2: Did did you ever ask him what happened and, and uh, the story? Did, did, did he tell you the story? It was a pretty it was a, it, like my story. I'm telling you how it
1: happened, how it went down or what? Yeah, very, very much so. Um, the only thing that was a little different, little, and it's because there's two parties and there's two different people as far as where they were emotional wise, was he told me it was much more of a harsher conversation, not you yelling <laughs> And, and it wasn't
2: him yelling I, and screaming. Attacking I, him. It I was guarantee was. it was. <laughs> well, it could have been, but I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it was. Uh, you know, in the beginning it was real calm. I think as as the time as, as probably Shaw got in the ring and brush music was playing and time was getting out, I might have got a little harsh with him. I don't know. But you know, that, that's just conditions. <laughs> But yeah, I mean other than that,
1: yes. The, the, mecha- uh,
2: the me- mechanics and everything's all the same, No, basically. I,
1: yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. No.
0: Except for the fact Mr. Briscoe being so nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, yeah, that that was that was not told to me that way. That wasn't
2: told to that way.
1: <laughs> 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 so
0: Brian, during this time that like say all this happened, you're out of high school now. And is this when you're starting to get in the business? How did the progression go of getting in the business?
1: Um, well, honestly, it, it, it worked this way. So I started doing some indie stuff, nothing major. Okay. Just little spot shows around my area. I didn't go far. I don't have any great stories where people can say, man, that was so hard for you to do, you know, nothing like that. Going down, you know, 20 miles down the street, um, huh. things of that nature. And, and um, then it became where my dad trained me and, It was where WWE was allowing me, WWF at the time, was allowing me to do house shows up and down the East Coast that I could get to. And I would work all these house shows. Um, It got to where, in my opinion, I got to where I felt really comfortable and was really getting good. And Jack Lanza noticed. And he was in a meeting, and Jerry, you might have been in the the meeting, I don't know, uh, where he had said, you know, guys, I want to just say that, you know, Hefner's boy has been working some of these shows. I think that he's ready. I think that he's ready. Uh, I know we need a few rests, and I think that he's ready. And um, so basically, I came in WWE and didn't work, believe it or not. I was in WWE. A lot of people don't realize this. I was in WWE for two years before I was even seen on TV wow. because my dad didn't think I was worth it. He said, you're, you're the shits. <laughs> so, you know, so I had to go through all that crap. And I, I, I must have worked more Saturday Night Shotguns than any referee in the world. Uh, but uh, that didn't stop me from getting the abuse that I got from Jerry either.
2: Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. got. So wait, I, 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 well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got to ask him a question. You were trained by your dad. How? Uh, you, what do you set up four ropes in the middle of a, a damn cotton field there in Virginia? And uh, and <laughs> I mean, come on. How do you get? How you get trained by a
1: referee? Man, a referee. One, two. You had to teach a guy how to count to three or what? you <laughs> well, you gotta remember you gotta remember I, I was an athlete okay I was I was an athlete and my well, dad to an like, athlete to be a referee a good referee anyway yeah exactly but my dad always told me the whole time I was way more athletic than he was ever in his life that's for so, sure I'll vouch
2: for that if you're an athlete at
1: <laughs> all you're vouch for that
2: athletic.
1: <laughs> so sliding the simple art of sliding was never a problem I was a baseball player so that was never a problem. Sliding in position was just natural to me. That kind of stuff was natural. Cadence and counting was natural to me. He would how teach me. The, how about the cartwheels? Well, you're the one that taught me those. You're, you're, you're the one that taught me those. And, and, and I've got a great one that I don't hope I don't know if you remember or not. But anyway, I we we'll get to that in a minute. I guess if you want, no, go ahead, go ahead and tell it. Is it a cartwheel? No, no, no. Much better than a cartwheel. Yeah. So I was in the ring with Howard Finkel and Howard Poor did Howard. not like to be touched. Oh, he did not man. like to be touched. Hated, which hated it. And a lot of a lot of people are like that. But Howard was one of these OCD guys It was like, don't fucking touch me. I kept creeping over to him because Jerry's going, Get over there. Get over there. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm I'm waving in the camera, like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And Howard's sensing it. He's going. Get away from me, Hubner! Get away from me! And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I really need to tell you something. They want you to say something different. I'm making up all this shit on the fly just so I can do what I'm supposed to do, so I don't get yelled at when I get back to Gorilla. So he says, I want you to tap his head and grab his ass. I look back and I went just like this, and I, I know you have a video on your show. And I look back and I went just like this to Jerry. And I'm shaking my head profusely He went God damn it if you don't fucking do it You might as well not even come back here (laughs) So I go like this and I went Howard I'm sorry I patted him on his fucking head He was all worried about his head as soon as he went up with his hands, I went down to his ass and smacked him on his
2: ass. <laughs> he did not like anybody messing with, with his
1: head at all. I, I did the old pat, like the, the pat on the head, like, yeah. Like that. And, and for
0: anybody watching that doesn't understand what's going on, you as a referee had the earpiece in, and Mr. Briscoe, doing the time in the back of the gorilla position, they call it, could talk to you through your earpiece, but you couldn't answer it. He could see you, so you could shake your head no, but you couldn't answer
1: There were times where Jerry – he would get on the thing when the big show started, and the other people would try and do things and all that. They were doing trials. Everyone, when I went out there, said Jerry Brian's going out, and he'd come up and hop on and fucking gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was another time that was actually really classic. The the Samoans, uh, the the
2: three three count.
1: Uh, yeah, they were they were just getting started. They were obviously because they were working with me. I wasn't on TV yet. So they were just doing their stuff. They hit their finish, and it was uh, uh gosh, I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry, guys. Aki, uh... Hickey, yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah. So he hits his finish, and I do two cartwheels, jump <laughs> down to the mat. He turns over, and looks up at me, and goes, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" <laughs> just like,
2: why did you do cartwheel, Abner?
1: Because I was demanded so. <laughs> <laughs> Was that party
2: of party or agent? Was that party or training? Was the old man? Not at all.
0: <laughs> you know the best part, Brian, is Vince. One time came down there and goes, "Why is the referee doing cartwheels?" <laughs> Here he goes, I don't know. It's real. <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 I'm totally <laughs> cool. <schooler.
1: laughs>
2: Did anybody ever talk to you after when you did them afterwards or any anybody ever react to them besides the talent to ask you what the fuck are you doing?
1: I mean the the, the fans would be like shitting <laughs> on me. I mean <laughs> they'd applaud the hell out of it though. I mean, it depended on what I did. Like the <laughs> cartwheel to the finish, they were just like, What the fuck? This piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right.
0: Jerry has had people to cup check Chimmel during announcements. I,
1: I've done that as well. I don't think yeah. there's any of Jerry. I, I bet you I've done more for Jerry so tell than the people about
0: Mr. Briscoe having you cup check Chimmel and what <laughs> cup check is. Well, um, this is actually wow. times.
1: this has actually happened several times.
0: Man. And I think <laughs> it, 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 we're sitting back in Gorilla. It was the greatest thing ever to <laughs> hear it go, cup check Chimler. Everybody's watching a monitor. Everybody's
1: – we can't wait to see what's about to happen. It's a great – it was so entertaining. I, I, I did so many dark matches uh, with WWE that I became a pro at anything he asked me. <laughs> um, and that's what made it so great because that – that, that, that I got comfortable probably a year in because I realized, okay, I'm doing what – Mr. Briscoe's asking me to do, and I'm not getting any fucking heat. All right. So now I'm starting to feel okay. So he gets me with Chimble, does me to do the nut check. So I, I don't even walk up to Chimble. I'm sidewalking, you know, to where I'm not looking, walking at him. He's doing his thing, trying to get his shit in like he always does. Uh doesn't even notice I'm there. And I just lean back and just smack him with the backside of my hand. He barrels over and everything. He had the mic so close he went, oh everybody heard it
2: <laughs> you know i was just trying to relieve a little tension everybody knows how how, how hard you guys work all day long and the stress is there and you need a little tension uh, release there and a, a little playing around with chimmel never hurt anybody <laughs> man except chimmel <laughs> But yeah, Chemo, exactly. you 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 were the best at getting Chemo too. You would just tap him. I mean, uh, you would you uh, not and, and the best part, Brian, it was most of the time you would
0: get him when he was making some
2: big announcement, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. right in the middle of the speech, and you walk by, and, whack,
2: <laughs>
0: it was we, everybody in the back laughed, laughed falling over laughing,
1: everybody he, but Vance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's, what's even worse is that i travel with Chimmel and uh he, he will tell me i, I swear to you, you better give me a promise you're not gonna fuck with me tonight i don't care what jerry says he goes or you can ride with jerry when you're done <laughs> were you like Brian,
0: were you overseas when when i would have Chimmel wave the american flag and get him besieged with drinks beer spit on everything so I, what, I, what I started doing was one time I, I just, to screw around. So like the Iron Sheik would say, don't chant USA. I got on the microphone. I was just horsing around. I said, I'm going to sing God Bless America. And I sat there and sang God Bless America. God Bless America. I sang the whole song. The place went ballistic. I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I couldn't believe how much heat it got. So then I thought, I'm going to get a flag, you know, in all these foreign countries. Don't worry <laughs> and have Chimmel go around ringside with the flag <laughs> while I sing God Bless America. So what do you think the fans are going to do? They're going to throw stuff at Chimmel carrying the flag. And Chimmel's in his tuxedo. He's all dressed up. And every night I'd have him with that flag go around ringside and see come back just drenched with every
1: everything he could. He would always tell you. He would always tell you, too. Bradshaw just had this thing cleaned. Just had it cleaned. <laughs> Which is the worst thing you can tell me. Exactly. Because you go, go
2: clean it again. I won't do it anymore. <laughs> I won't do it anymore.
0: Whenever I'd get heat, somebody throw something at me, I'd go stand right by Chimel and I'd hook his arm where he couldn't leave. And i grabbed grab the microphone and go, don't you dare throw anything else. The next thing <laughs> I would race,
1: all kinds of stuff on me and Chimel. So morning- did, you,
2: did you travel with Chimel most of the time on the road?
1: yeah it was me uh it was me chimo and corderas and then of course we transitioned to the uh the the uh, tour buses remember when they put all the ring crew on the buses and um that was um i w- when the, when i when i started riding the buses i got a kind of a cool luxury because i wasn't um on ring crew anymore but i got to ride on the ring crew bus uh simply because i was such good friends with those guys and uh, that was when JR moved me to full time referee. So, you know, but it was cool that I got to ride on that bus because I had a bunk to sleep in. I, had, yeah. you know, have to worry about traveling, rental cars, and all that stuff. So,
2: tell cool. us about the conversation when JR brought you in and, and made you a full time referee.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you the whole truth, the real truth, nothing but the truth. <laughs> okay. Because I can't get hired and I can't get fired. So fuck them. Uh, <laughs> by the way, did you boys know that I'm retired? I, I don't referee anymore.
2: And I didn't know. That. Congratulations. Yes, sir.
1: Like, yeah, I, I, I retired from Impact and wrestling as a whole last year, so that's why I'm not worried about what I say anymore. Um, why? You're young.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you know the
1: thing is, JB. Yeah, when you, when you
2: made as much money as the Abners had, you don't you don't need to work. There you go, Jerry. <laughs> that's really, what
1: it is. And and still in and, and still in rock hard shape. There you go. <laughs> Uh but anyway, uh I was having some issues with um, and I'll just call it out Jack Pat uh Jack Doan and and uh uh Patton having some issues. Uh I was always being hated on by those two. They thought that you know I was being given matches because of this and that, obviously, because my dad, my dad wasn't even working on the shows, and we did it on purpose. He worked raw. I worked SmackDown. We never did it, we never worked together at all in WWE. We never traveled together in WWE, none of that stuff but they kept on messing with me and, and fucking with me and all this bullshit. And I'm, I'm one of these type that I'd rather fight than talk about it to somebody, you know? Uh, but I knew I couldn't do that cause I'd lose my job. Um, I did threaten them and said, if y'all want to do it outside somewhere, we could do it outside. But then of course I figured they'd run their mouths back to people, which they did like little bitches. Um, but anyway, long story short, I just got sick of it and I knew that something was going to happen. I was going to explode. I was just going to beat their ass in the middle of wherever we we're at. And, um, so I just went to JR and I just said, Look, here's my problem. Can what do we do? I said, Because I can't work with them. They don't want to work with me. I said, it's just not a friendly atmosphere. I don't like it. Um, I'll move to Raw. I don't want to be with my dad because then I'll really be called out over there. I was like, but I just don't want to be with those guys anymore, especially on Ring Crew, because I got to be around them all day and all, all the time. He says, Well, why don't you be a full time referee? And I went, Well, that's gonna give me a lot of heat. <laughs> And he goes, Well, if you get heat for it, you tell them to come see JR because I think you're better than they are and you deserve to be in a full time rest spot. And I said, Okay. He said, You're going to lose some ring pay money and you're going to, you know, but you're going to make it up because you're going to be on every single thing there is. You're going to be on all house shows. You're going to be on all overseas. You're going to be on all. And I said, I said, (laughs) JR, I said, I'm being really sincere here. I said, Do you really think that that's something I'm worthy of? And he said, I absolutely do. And it's something I thought about before you even came in here. It was something that's always been in my mind. And it was something I was going to come to you at some point and give you anyway. And I said, OK. And He goes, what better time now? You don't need that shit. You know, you don't need that fucking bullshit. You you ain't doing shit. You're doing your damn job and you're doing it better than they are. You know, da-da-da-da. so that's that, that's how that went down. And you talk about pissed. You talk about pissed. Uh-huh. Now they had something to get mad about, and now I just looked at them like not wanting to fight them, just like this. Ha 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 ha!
2: <laughs> so you were taken out of the bus at that time. You lose. You lose your seat on that ring crew
1: bus. No, because the uh, the, the 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 point was they they ended up splitting them up, uh-huh. and I had people like JBL. See, me and Kyoto also had a problem, but me and Kyoto are good. The ours was a ours was a competition. Uh-huh. So, That was it. We we had no problem with each other. Yeah, you you
2: two. You two were the ego kings of the referee generation
1: there. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we both cared deeply about what we did and how we did it. You know what I mean? And we had some issues. Sort of like Chimel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Don't play
0: with a big ego. He got a big everything else, too. (laughs) That's right.
1: Hey, is Jim yeah. the most entertaining guy in the world? No, no doubt. I could sit around him for 48 hours if I could stay up. He uh, is,
0: he's on a, I'm going to text right with him. He's one of the, he's the funniest, consistent guy that I've almost ever been around. Ever. We ever. We had him on the podcast. We almost got canceled because everybody hates him.
3: Uh, we do too. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: he's... I had him on, I a hey, hey, JBL, I had him on mine and I was like, all right, I can't even believe. You're on here, and why you're on here? He was. He goes, Hebner. Let's not be stupid, and silly about it. You want it because of ratings, because it's Chimmel. I, I've had people ask me,
0: "Did you really pay Chimmel to come on your show?" I, I was like, I'm not answering that. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stooge either way because I don't know what he said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have Congrats, a feeling I know what he said. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But, but uh, to, to finish up that one story real quick and then i will going to Please do. I'm sorry. I had... No, no, no. You're good. Um, you know, me and Kyoto had our competition going on. So it was all no, no big deal. And eventually it became where we were, ba- we were really seriously battling for main events. Like I was working my ass off at house shows. He was working his ass off at house shows. And finally it came to a head where there were some guys and I'll mention names. Um, JBL is one of them. Brock Lester is another one of them. The Undertaker is another one of them. And Kurt Angle is another one of them that wanted me to be their referee. Um, and it came to a point where Johnny Ace says it's got to be one or the other because you both can't be it, you know. And the boys and JBL can elaborate on that. All I, know. I don't know all the boys, but I know that Brock came to me that one day at TV when I found out about it and said, as Brock would always say, I got something to tell you. You say anything, I swear to God, I'll whip your ass. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> he goes, Kyoto's uh, going to Raw, and you're staying here," and that's per the boys. And I said, "Okay." He, I, I'm believe me, I'm not saying a word. He's like, "If I swear," and you know, you know how he is. Uh, so that made me feel good, man. That my my my, my comrades and my 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 boys, my friends, came to my aid and were like, "Look, we want Hebner, man. You know, I, we we like Kyoto, but we like Hebner." So that's how that happened. That's how he got moved to Raw, and I stayed on SmackDown.
0: Yeah, that all—that's true. I mean, and I don't—I don't know all the stuff that Brock and Taker and those guys. I did talk to him uh, during that time, and it was—believe me—it was nothing. One hundred percent nothing against Kyoto. Because we no. loved Kyoto. I loved working with Kyoto. I thought he was a great referee. I just enjoyed working with you, and I enjoyed being around you. You know, I enjoyed being around your dad. You just kind of fit together. Everything worked fine. You know, I was able to relay messages. You know, because. A lot, of, a lot of people don't understand, which I don't even know if they, you know, since the matches are more laid out now, so much was called through the referee to the opponent that you had to have a guy that you, you knew well, that you spoke basically the same top language with and, and, you know, Kyoto could do it too. I just felt very comfortable with you, Brian. And it and it, it worked really well.
2: You know, that that's something that people don't realize is how important uh, what, what guys like, uh, Brian and kill do and the other, other, referees do too. They work their asses off, but they're that, that third or, or fifth guy in the ring, who just relays messages because we all get out there. We get smacked up the, uh, beside the head. We lose our train of thought. And those referees are right there buzzing. Yep. You just to, just to bring you back to the, the same page as everybody else. And it's so important. And when do you have a good one? Like, 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 like we had. We had we had a locker room full of great referees, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, and it you was know, a then, collaboration.
0: Then, it was a collaboration. I'm sorry, Mr. Briscoe cut you off. It was a collaboration, Mr. Briscoe. You know how it worked. You know when you had a referee that you really trusted, right? Like, yeah, that referee you might tell him a. Hey, be sure and have the get the
2: mic handy. I mean, I'm going to do that. Well, trick. it's so much continuity, right? I mean, you, you're you're involved in them every night in house shows and then the, all of a sudden a big pay-per-view match and if somebody wants to sign another referee, you've had that continuity where we all, all, all of you are flowing on the same page and you know that. So you're, you're exactly right. It, it's just that camaraderie and that, that continuity and, 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 the referees that you got to have consistent sometimes.
0: And goes like the referee might say something like part of the ring, a rope has come off or something. not not the rope itself but something like tag rope or something, a referee that knows that you might use it will tell you, you, you know, the yep. rope, the rope is the tag rope has come off, or, or they'll tell you something that you might've forgotten, or they might think is better. And with the referee that you trust and understand, you're just like, got it. And I'll, you see how it fits into what you want to do. And all of a sudden the referee has called part of the match, just like you have. And That's a collaboration that's pretty hard to find among referees that are really smart guys like, like Brian is. And like Coyote is in fairness, to be fair. So
2: Brian, what was probably the most bizarre thing that JBL ever had you do in the ring?
1: I don't think we can talk about that on here. (laughs) Yeah, we can.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We we can certainly talk about Brian having turning into Pat McAfee out there in the ring.
1: (laughs) Cool. Oh, you, you you telling me, I am telling you. Uh, oh, <laughs> no, come, come on, Brian. Hell, hell. Let, let, let's
2: spill well, the beans. Come on, Brian. What well, is it? I, I,
0: I could tell what happened. You know, it, it was after the video aired with me giving Eddie's mother a heart attack. And the first night or the first weekend, of the next weekend, after that video aired, he changed. And Brian's out there with me. We're like in San Bernardino or something. It's 99% Latino wanting to see me die. <laughs> and Brian... <laughs> Brian's the only white guy in the arena with me. <laughs> <laughs> so and, true. And some fan jumps in, in the ring after me, and Eddie Guerrero goes after the fan because he said, he screwed up our match. I'm going, Eddie, I'm the I'm the heel. I'm the one that has to fight the fan, not you. He goes, he screwed up our match. So I grab Eddie and I look around, and Brian has punted this guy's head off. <laughs> it's just <laughs> I mean, it looked like a Pat McAfee, Ray eye punt. This guy's head goes flying back. Brian kicks him again, punches him, gets him off. The guy never made it in the ring because of Brian. And uh, I don't know what the guy was going to do, but Brian certainly saved whatever happened. Referee, the referee, you know, all the security comes and tracks the guy out.
1: There, there was another time that, um, that I remember this and never forget it, um, it wasn't the same night, JBL. It was another night we were in Mexico somewhere, I believe. And now, I want to explain this because y'all will agree. Do y'all, do y'all watch today's wrestling at all? Okay, like-
0: Yeah, yeah, some.
1: Okay. There's no real, real heat. You know what I mean? There's no real heat. Everybody loves everybody, it seems like to me. Um, a few exceptions, but there's no real heat. JBL was, a, was a, <laughs> able to generate... Real heat, like back in the day that you had not seen in such a while, um, especially with this Eddie feud, and this heat was amazing, like amazingly, like it was scary heat. Um, we're at this show, and me and JBL meet in the back before we go out. We go everything. He's like, just you know, just you know, we'll just be on our heels to toes. We'll just keep on da 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 da. Uh but yeah, we be had point. extra
0: security all the time and we were constantly yeah.
1: on alert for
0: fans coming in the ring
1: yes and yes.
0: brian brian was basically my only protection
1: <laughs> uh, yeah right i felt like it so jbl i think himself was overwhelmed with the heat in that building and i wish i could remember where it was at it got dark it got dark it felt like the building was falling in our, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I've never, ever been in a ring and Jerry, you're going to kill me for saying this because back in y'all's days, heat was real, but he brought it like that again, but it was so real. It scared the shit out of me. And I believe because I've never seen JBL and I've seen him a thousand times. I believe he became a little worried because (laughs) I'll tell you what happened after that. Once again, I said, we met in the back. We talked about the kind of a strategy kind of thing, whatever. He gets in the ring. He comes right to me. He doesn't even do his gimmick entrance. He comes right to me. He goes, I'm going to look hard camera the whole way, and you're going to look the opposite hard camera the whole way. I got this side. You got this side because this <laughs> shit is fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that very well. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, so I turned. I, I I stopped being a referee. I turned my back on JBL and everything and just watched like a fucking security guy. I was like, all right, I got to watch this shit. It was it was crazy. It was crazy, but I will give him props because I, I have never seen it since then, and I've never felt it since then. That was amazing.
2: Hey, hey, hey Brian, you you come up with old school, just like just like we both, uh, all of us did, you know. But the heat, the heat generated. I mean, we worked so hard to generate that heat, and it felt so damn good, even as a referee, because you've been a part of that build. That's gonna be some, because you know your your ass is gonna have Just a harder time getting out of the ring. As that hill does, and and you gotta be his best friend, you gotta watch his back, and he gotta watch your back. But the friendship that you develop in doing this stuff, I mean, wow, it it takes takes a lot, doesn't it?
1: it? It does, it does, but but the thing is, like you said, it does build friendships up. I me, mean, me and JBL have been around in bars around the country, just yeah, being friends, and bullshit and talking to business, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he didn't have to invite me, you know what I mean? He didn't have to oh, do yeah. that. We had so much fun.
0: We had a fun in and out of the in the ring, out of the ring. We had a, we had a great, great. I love Brian. Brian lives. It was so much fun. <laughs> I remember one time I'm cutting a promo. Brian goes, John, we are the only white people in this building. You should shut <laughs> up now, because <laughs> Brian knows if they come in the ring, he and I are together. <laughs>
1: He, he worked so hard. I mean, he was working hard to be a heel, but he sometimes JBL would get overboard and forget. You
2: think, you think.
1: <laughs> and I go, I just go up there and I just to the side mouth and everything. You got to remember where we're at. Stop that <laughs> shit.
2: <laughs> I won't get out of here tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: One time we were in, I were in Japan maybe the referee and I I'd, I'd broken my foot or and and I they put it like a steel thing in the bottom I had a, a no holds barred match with Undertaker and they made it a no holds barred so that I could, we could go through the crowd cuz I couldn't I couldn't walk I you know I hurt my foot and I I hit uh, Taker with this cane and he said did you take this cane from that old man I said yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said
1: you're the best. <laughs> I remember. I remember you took uh, a hat off of somebody. You'll remember. You'll, you'll remember in a minute. You took a hat off somebody. You were so pissed. You were acting all friendly to them at first, and yada yada yada, and then you just turned on them, took their hat, and you stomped on it. I didn't think anything bad about it, and then you just looked at me. And you went, "That's a five hundred dollar fucking hat." <laughs> Do you remember that? What kind of hat yeah, was that? Yeah, yeah.
3: what
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was one of was those so fifteen-star Statons or something like that. John. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And,
1: and JBL knew he knew he wasn't stupid. He 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 knew he was going to crush that hat. He knew. It <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although
2: those things stick out like crazy because they're so crease and they're so so well done. And yeah, JBL probably took a look at it. And, uh, Eddie, I'm gonna get rid of this thing, man. He he got a better hat than I do.
1: <laughs> it was insane. We had some good times. It's, it's unmatched. There's those days that are never going to happen again.
2: Uh, speaking of Taker, did did you have any uh, experiences with Taker that you can share with us?
1: I had lots. Actually, I had lots of experiences with him. Yeah, um, my 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 best that I can remember, we me and him had a heartfelt talk. Uh, we were in San Francisco or going to San Francisco where there, where that bridge is. What's the, the San Francisco bridge, Bay right? bridge, golden, Bay bridge. Yeah. the Bay bridge or the golden gate. Yeah. 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 Me and him had to catch a flight. I had actually worked a Raw that night. He was on SmackDown and he worked raw as well. We did a raw match versus SmackDown or whatever. So we had to ride back together and, uh, we didn't have to, he asked me if I wanted to. And of course I'm not going to say no. <laughs> um, so I'm in the car with him. Um, He's got beer, and I'm like, can I grab some beers? And he's like, well, how many are you trying to think about? And I was like, (laughs) we might want to hit a store. Uh, So he does. He hits a store. He's like, I'll I'll buy it. He's like, I just don't want you drinking all my shit. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Um, So the wind and the weather was terrible that night. I mean, terrible. Uh, And they were treacherous warnings and stuff like this. And um, anyway, we we get all buzzed up where we're not even caring about this weather. Our car is about to flip over going across this bridge or whatever. And we're just talking nothing but wrestling, nothing but passion, nothing but just shit that the boys don't even know that they like. It was unbelievable. It was like I was talking to God (laughs) in a wrestling. Heaven, you know, what I mean, if that makes sense, like it was just shit that I've never heard before. I was being exposed with so much information. And I am a sponge. I am a sponge. You know, Kurt Angle will tell you I can memorize a match better than he can, better than half the boys. Um, I would just take everything in. It was uh, Jerry. The 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 point to this, so it's not elongated. I don't know if there's anybody that's ever talked to him on that level with with <laughs> with, a few, with a few of these in us where he let <laughs> loose. Um, but we had the conversation that I think anybody in this business would go. Wow wow you are the man you are the man
2: just hearing you describe it makes me feel that way i just you know sit with taker and just uh, absorb that knowledge that the guy has he has such a deep appreciation for the business a lot of people a lot of people know how taker feel about our business but having that 101 that you had with him man that is a memory right there
1: it's 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 uh he he cares about the little things that people don't think about it's, it, and those little things go so far. And he was just describing them to me. And I took that conversation and shit, that was 20 some years ago. And I used use that. I, I applied that. You know what I mean? And I, that's what I do. Um, you know, JBL was talking about the ring. You know, he taught me, the undertaker taught me, and not even my dad. Not that my dad wouldn't have taught me, but I inspect the ring for the boys before they get there. Like, in other words, I get in the ring and I feel and jump around and look at the pads and feel the ropes, feel where a a, a a piece of wire may be coming out of the rope where they may want to hit their back or something. Feel the the apron. Those are the important things that the Undertaker wanted to know about, wanted to feel, wanted to know about. And they're little things that I guarantee fucking to you. I'm sorry, say, um, uh, those ain't a motherfucking referee right now doing that shit. No, <laughs>
0: yeah, and Brian, you didn't have a ton back then either. You didn't have some. But the the old ones, the, the wise ones, would would go around, and, and when you'd walk in the ring, you you would always you would always tell me, "There's a loose board in that corner over there. Be careful, because if you Be take hard. a bump there, you, you could break you could break a club, you could break a shoulder, you could break something, because the board's sticking up for some reason, which happens sometimes
1: in a ring with you know big guys taking bumps in it." You know, and and that's what I'm saying. That's the small details that he would tell me about that I carried on. Um, that's very important, man. And I don't know why that's not, taught. I don't know that, why that's not taught. I don't know why that's not explained. I, I don't know. The refereeing business has gone through the shits, in my opinion, if you watch today's product.
0: And you know, you know what, Brian, that's something that you'll, you'll take to your grave that you'll always remember. You know, I remember like, like Dusty Baker, you know, the manager of Houston Astros talking about talking to Hank Aaron, you know, sitting outside the dugout, Hank Aaron talking to him about pictures and how to watch windups and stuff. You know, that's, that's something that a normal person would pay thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars for. But they can't get it on that level because they're not a contemporary. They're not. Right. They're not talking to you to them like Taker was talking to you, and that's something that you'll carry for the rest of your life. That's that's some yeah. of the cool stuff in our business. That's just a gift that's given to you.
2: Yeah, John, if you'll remember, we had Wade Boggs on, on our podcast, and he said one of the one of the most memorable moments he ever had was sitting on a bench with uh Ted Williams and Ted yep. Williams talking talking hitting. That's that's like you you talking to the Undertaker. And that's the same analogy. The greatest in our business, you know, sitting there telling Wade Boggs how to hit the ball and Taker telling you how to react to something in the ring. So and, and Brian, you know how it was with
0: Taker. I mean, I wrestled him. In- probably two or 300 times. We used to close the shows, you know, after, you know, all the SmackDown TVs and stuff uh, every night, you know, wrestling on the shows. So I don't, I don't know how many times, but a lot of times, if not a couple hundred, never, no match was talked over in the back. You know, he literally, he wanted to go out there and he wanted to feel what the people were buying that day, because as crazy as it sounds, you have a matinee in Detroit, you have a night show in Cleveland, it's different audiences. Even though they're close proximity geographically, it's different audiences. You don't know what they're buying, and you always go out there with just an open mind. Go, you know. And I knew he'd figure it out. I had no doubt he's going to figure it out. You know. And it's, especially, it's, especially it's,
2: in those dark matches after the TV taping. I mean, those things. You guys go out there, go 20, 25 minutes, and just constant uh, movement. But none of that stuff uh, is rehearsed. None of it's talked about because those matches, those, those dark matches, are usually made. You know, after the fact, after the show goes goes off the air, one guy not might not even know who the opponent is coming out there, and then like uh, like Earl, uh, Earl and, and Brian there, they got to relay relay what we're saying over the over the headset to you guys, and you guys got to jump in it and do it right, and it takes all
1: three of you to do it. You know, uh, you know, JBL. I remember this too. I remember like this is just one thing. I remember a lot, but I'm saying, but this is one thing I remember about Taker and even you. He did the. Uh, the, the top clothesline, uh, the, uh, walk across the top rope and yeah. the crowd didn't respond the way he wanted. And he went, well, fuck, they didn't pop for that. <laughs> he went, cut me off. And you went, cut you off. You just hit your fucking gimmick move. And he <laughs> was like, cut me off. God damn it. And you cut him off. I mean, that's yep. how he thought. That's how he thought. He just thought that's not what I wanted. I'm going to go another direction.
0: Yep, and go another direction like that. And you know, a few guys can do that. I mean, you know, you're just not talking about just today. A few guys can do it back then. You get out there, you get you, it because one move set up another. You know, not, yeah. you did not necessarily the whole match, but you knew one move set up another. So Taker does the old school that sets up the cross eyes, sets up the boot coming off the ropes. It all sets up one thing and another. But when something didn't work, he broke the whole chain.
1: Yeah. So, okay, let's <clears> just <throat> do something else right yep. now. Yeah, you cut him right off. You, I'm not. You didn't do it right away. You were like, "What? Cut him off. Yeah, you <laughs> off?" Sure? Sure, I
3: wanted
1: to make sure I heard it right.
0: <laughs> but you know, that's one of the reasons we wanted, you know, guys like you out there and you out there. I mean, just because you needed that. You needed a person you could trust, always trusted to know what was going on and stuff to be relayed because information had to come at you from all directions because you're you're living
1: by feel at that moment. God bless his soul. Do you remember the blade in L.A. that Eddie Guerrero gave me to give to him? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I, I saw it. <laughs> Black Bart used to call that the old business
0: blade. <laughs> 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 like, like, I'm like, Eddie, you've got a
1: dagger. Yes. <laughs> like a steak knife.
2: Uh, describe it to us Sarah,
1: Brian. What did it look like? Um, it looked like a very bit of little tape and a lot of, a lot of metal, <laughs>
2: a lot of metal, and a little tape.
1: <laughs> and I'll tell you this, I didn't know it, but, uh, after, where'd you, know, you I, keep it?
2: Where'd you keep it?
1: Well, he gave me two. Um, I'm old school. I, I, I usually keep them in my mouth. I couldn't do it in my mouth. Wow. Because it was <laughs> there was nowhere to put it in my mouth because it was too much fucking play. <laughs> so I put both in each pocket and, um, I, i put the best cap i could on it you know but uh so i gave him the gimmick and uh got to the back of course he was wasn't doing well after that match because he lost so much blood but uh i wanted to check on him and all that and then finally uh they reassured me he was gonna be okay and i went to you know to change and uh i when i pulled my pants down there was blood gushing down my leg wow uh that blade had hit me several times in that other leg Because there was no there was no I couldn't yeah. cap him to stay capped. It was just too big of a blade, man. Uh-huh. I don't understand why he did that, but I, I do, I, I do, because he told me beforehand
0: he had he had juiced earlier like a few months earlier, and it didn't come well because he had a lot of scars over his head, you know, you know, like a lot of the old school guys had all the scars on their head. And well, so he got he to make he, he wanted to make it. sure and get deep enough, and that's why he made that well, we used to call him the business blade. and he had that bit somebody the next day. Got a steak knife and put a little tape around the handle and said, Hey, look, I found, Eddie's, <laughs> I
1: found Eddie's blade.
2: It was like a Gary Hart blade, huh?
1: <laughs> that's that's right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it was something that was that was another very special moment me and JBL shared together that and then Eddie. Uh that was uh we, we sold that bitch out. Not not me, but
2: oh we, yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah, you too. I that, I remember that yep. night. I, that was the, the most grotesque night I think I've ever Everybody knows how, how wheezy I get all over that stuff. I was I was just about throwing up just looking at those guys out there. I've never seen so much blood and harassment, and I've seen some of the biggest with Dusty Rhodes and Joe Leduc and guys like that. But Eddie Guerrero and JBL when they got that color, man, there was nobody got it like that. I'll, I'll
1: tell you one little secret. I'll tell you one little secret about that. Um, that not not only that night, but majorly that night. I'm like you, Jerry. Um, I have a very weak stomach. I gagged the rest of that match the entire time I counted. Really? Yes, um, because I can't stand it. My hand was slapping blood. It was splattering in my face. Oh, it was unbelievable. And blood has a smell. Blood has a smell. Blood has a drug smell, yeah. And uh, I don't like that shit, man. Uh, I I, I don't. Um, Yes, it was – when you would grab him and put him in a hold and i would ask eddie i would go i I swear to y'all i'm not lying if you go back and look at video on it you'll 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 pick it up i would go eddie what are you saying i go and i go (laughs) just to get myself together it's i'm not good with that i mean i don't mind blood but to that amount good (laughs) god (laughs) Eddie
0: Eddie tells me one one time like after i got color he goes ah good good juice essay and i said eddie the blade's still on my wrist you asshole <laughs> he, had got, he had busted me open, <laughs> and when I when I told him that, he started laughing. He goes, "Ah, oh, I got you, I got you, I got you."
3: <laughs>
0: you know what? You, guys hear that now. They think like, that's that, that's how we played. That was that was us. You know, that's just that's what we did. You know, later I got color with it too, just because I wanted. Thought I better get you know. I got this blade. I got <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm bleeding like crazy on my head
1: from where Eddie had hit me. <laughs> you should have cut your wrist. Uh, many many years ago brian (laughs)
0: i'm
1: totally kidding i'm totally kidding
0: you know that that was it's funny you mentioned that because that was the smackdown that was a real source of pride for us that we had sold that out you know because we didn't know if we could or not you know brock had just left and we didn't know if we could or not and we didn't know ticket sales were not that good and then all of a sudden Chavo Eddie's brother came up with that idea to to give his mother uh, the heart attack there in El Paso, and that's when that's when business just went through the roof. That's when ticket sales took off, and you were there, Brian. You you knew that place was. They were there to see Eddie Guerrero kill
2: somebody. Was you yeah. in the ring that night when when JBL attacked Eddie's mother? Yes, I was. Wow that <laughs> that was that was heat there. I I was sitting in the back, and I've never experienced that 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 heat that i
1: wow it was just unbelievable yeah you well you should have been there uh that's that, the thing
0: that place got i never I've, I've never seen an entire arena get quiet i mean quiet you could hear a pin drop when his mother went down but faking that heart attack and what i did yeah. was i put my i put my hand on her shoulder and she she grabbed my wrist so it looked like i was kind of pushed her down but she was you know she's 74 you don't want to break something she, she was helping herself down and when she got down you you could hear a pin drop it, it was eerie and eddie goes essay get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sitting there thinking I, I look we get this on camera this is the hottest thing in the business and that, that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking I've, we got to get this on camera because we're filming it from different angles where it wouldn't look like it was staged and all that stuff you know and we had state sec- uh, troopers around the ring we had extra police and Jimmy Noonan was there. He's begging me. He goes, John, get out of the freaking ring. They're going to riot. You've got to get out of the ring. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty wild.
1: I also, uh, I also remember JBL too. uh, You know, some pretty cool backstory. Uh, People don't realize there was natural competition between Raw and SmackDown. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Not like, not like it is today. They swapped talent and all that shit. We didn't do that back then. And we were literally looking at house show numbers. We were looking at ratings and things like that. And pay pay for you numbers too. Yes. And that's what made that Staples Center number. Because I remember they didn't tell us to the day of the show we had a meeting. And they told us, no, no, I'm lying. I'm not not lying. I forgot. Um, They told us at the SmackDown taping that that Sunday coming in, we sold that bitch out. And that was to give us all this, like, because no one, like you said, thought we could do it. And that that was the cream of the crop for that brand. And that's when that brand, like, really went to another level. Um, The competition was real, though. I wish it was like that now. I think that make the product better. Um, But, God, you you have to explain how how this competition went. And the drafts sucked, too. Remember that shit? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I remember very well. Yeah, yeah, we 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 we'd look at guys that we were getting and what we're getting we're losing, and we're like like we're losing a couple guys. You're screwing us on this draft. We literally guys were bitching about the draft because we thought we got screwed on in a couple of years. The draft it was real. Like the house shows we we do Detroit or the Garden or something, like that. especially the Garden. We do the Garden, and that was a real comparison. If it was right. down or Raw, who drew more in the Garden, or who drew more in the Rosemont, Chicago? You know the, the big arenas. We always there was a huge competition between us. We always looked at ratings. We looked at everything. That's one of that Staples Center was a really and, cool. and look what
2: that made the business. It made it 10 times better than what it, what it is, you yeah. know? I mean, because of the competition. The guys stepping up their work because they had the pride to be the best, and that's, a, that's, a, that's, how, that's how it made like that.
0: But, you know, the thing that sent us to the moon was that angle with Eddie's mom, and that all came from Chavo, Eddie's brother, and Eddie. So those two guys created the the big angle. Now, I know Bruce had a lot to do with it, Vince, and everybody had a lot to do with it. But those two guys came up with the idea to come up with that angle. And that's what launched us into the the stratosphere. Very similar to the angle you remember, uh, Mr. Briscoe, of Chavo Sr. and Roddy Piper Coliseum in L.A., yeah. That was done about 30 years earlier
2: the olympia yeah, yeah that's right exactly the
0: donkey and his family and Dory yeah. yeah. and all the stuff yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that piper did against yeah. chavo kind of was redone with me
2: and eddie well you got you guys are they had the perfect ingredients in, in that match and uh you know with with Eddie's heritage and you being been at, at Loudmouth, Texas. I mean, that's real life in, in Southwest Texas. <laughs> and it, it really really is. I mean, you know, and, and so I, I think that, that's the people can see the clarity in it and the reality in it. You know, that's, that's life. And you guys you guys wouldn't be able to do a lot of that stuff today, man. I'd take it off uh, there in a minute. <laughs> Eddie
0: called me one day, Mr. Briscoe, and told me, he was like, I got one for you, Essay. Tell him uh-huh. my ancestors come over here at a boat, not an inner tube. <laughs> oh, God, <Eddie. laughs> you're gonna get me killed
3: <laughs> I go, no no
0: no it's good shit i it good shit <laughs> I I go, okay i'll say it you remember brian eddie used to give me lines all the time
1: he loved oh. giving me lines to make people mad but what made it right and work is that eddie embraced it he wanted yeah. this to work he wanted this to work yeah i honestly feel jb i don't know if you feel this way and if i'm if i'm hurting you a little bit. I, I'm not meaning it that way. You have to think about what I'm saying. He wanted to get you over. Yep. He wanted to put you to another level, in my opinion. And he was so willing to do it. And it didn't matter right. at what cost. It didn't matter at what cost. And I think he did. I mean, I, you
3: know,
0: I, I've said several times, I, I owe literally 100% of everything that I have with JBL to Eddie Guerrero. A hundred percent. Because if, if Eddie and Chavo had not come up with that angle, and you got to understand what that angle did. You know, that angle got so hot that a month later they put the title on me and I held it for a record length of time. So that title came off of Eddie. Eddie gave me the angle that took the title off of him. And he was okay with that. He was so proud of what I was doing as a a champion. He'd tell me all the time. He he always called me. He, He watched all my matches. You know, he was just a different guy. He was a wonderful human being.
1: I actually uh I traveled with him a little bit too. Um, and this was during those times. And you're right, he loved your character. I, I don't know what it was for him, the infatuation it was. Um, I know he didn't love you. I think he loved the
2: character. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>
1: um, but 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 no, I, I he had some kind of infatuation about <clears throat> I, I honestly think it was thinking a guy that people didn't believe in and saying I can get him there and he'll do the rest because yeah. the character's that good. That's what I believe. I do too. And the thing is, we understood the
0: character. We're both from, for both from West Texas. We both had seen these oil rich guys that were total assholes. And that's where I, when I always wanted an inspiration for JBL, I would see these guys when I grew up that I hated. And I thought if I hated them as much, then that's the kind of character that I want to be. And Eddie knew that character very well. It was the old rich old guy that was just redneck rich that would, you know, I had a guy in our town of Sweetwater drove a Lamborghini around back in the eighties. I mean, there's a poor town and he's throwing money around. And that's the, and Eddie knew that character very well. That's why I think it always works so well, because I understood what made the character hated Eddie did too. And what made Eddie so beloved, you know, because we're, we're from the same, part of the country that, uh, you, know, we grew up together, but grew up in the same area together. And I think that had uh, a lot
2: to do with it. And like you say, a lot of that stuff was just real life. It was just two real life people, you know, that, 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 that hit, 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 the, hit the, hit the jackpot with each other.
0: Yeah. and, and it's, You know, I've always said, he, Brian, you've been out there with all the best in the business. I, I, Eddie at his peak during that time, I don't know anybody that was any better. I mean, that there are guys that you know you can say is good. Shawn Michaels in 95, 96 was untouchable. Undertaker throughout his career was untouchable. May not be any better, but they ever they may have been as good, but I don't know anybody that was any better than Eddie at that time. He was like he was like grabbing an electric cord that wasn't grounded when he got out yeah. there. Just electricity just pulsed through the crowd. It's it's hard to explain how good he was.
1: I I would say this, JBO, and I I don't know if you agree or not. We'll just figure it out right now. Um, I I would say that he was the most expandable wrestler, meaning style didn't matter to him because he could do it all. Yeah. Um, So you could put him with Rey Mysterio and you could have this flippy floppy 460 Phoenix splash, this that and that. And you could have him work with you with the groundwork and the the heat and the comeback and the normal stuff. You know what I mean? But he could do ladder matches. He could do anything. It didn't matter what you put in front of him and who you put him with. He was that guy back then. He made himself a star if he wanted to, if the position was there. If not, if they wanted him to make someone else a star, he could do it there. There's a difference when Shawn Michaels was untouchable back then. He was untouchable for his own self, though. There's a difference. Shawn Michaels has admitted this. You know what I mean? So Shawn Michaels worked his style and either you worked it or you didn't work with him. Eddie was a willing competitor that said, I'm going to work whatever style that you have and you're comfortable with to make our match better because you know what? I can do it. I think that was a huge difference.
0: Yeah. It, you know, Eddie was so, so smart, like taker, you know, we never, we never called a match that whole match with the Staples center. We didn't, we didn't call that. We called that out there in the ring. You, you were there, you, it was, I it was, I remember I when, Pat, when Pat brought I the finish.
2: It, yeah. Now, now tell us that, what their story were, where you were, and said, hey, I don't, I don't like what you're doing. Yeah. Just, we'll just do it. And we, you we guys went to Pat to give, give you yeah. guys credit. I, you I didn't went go to, into business for yourself.
0: Yep. So Pat came to us with a finish idea and he laid it out and I I, can, I was looking at Eddie and Eddie didn't say anything. So I didn't either. And he's like, you know, Pat, I said, okay, thank you, Pat. So when Pat walked out, I said, Eddie, what's wrong? He goes, I don't like it. And I said, don't like what? He said, any of it. I said, what do you want to do? He goes, I want to call it out there. He goes, these people are going to be on fire for us. And I said, okay. So I went and pulled Pat aside. I said, Pat, can I talk to you? And he said, of course. And I said, "Um, Eddie doesn't like it. And he said, doesn't like which part? I said, any of it. And Pat, to his credit, he goes, you know what? You guys are the ones in this spot. And you guys will get the blame if it's a failure. And you guys will get the credit if it's a success. He goes, if you think you can go out there and call it. He goes, go out there and call it. He thought that much of Eddie Guerrero. And I knew. Pat let us go out there and just call the match on the fly. The whole, the whole thing the finish everything. It was that much faith in
1: Eddie. I, I'll say this. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I went out there, which I'm a prepared guy. We already went over this. I get my, my matches. I get it all. I was the most unprepared referee for the main event of a sold out crowd. <laughs> I've ever been in my life. The only two things I knew were my ref bump, my blade to to Eddie, and the finish. And that's not me. I want to know way more than that. I want to. They wouldn't give it to me. Um, didn't and have it. Didn't have <laughs> it. <laughs> and, they didn't have it. And Eddie would say to me, and JBO would say to me, "Well, we're going to throw in this and that, but well, they're going to be falsies." And I go, "I don't." I, I, I hate I was a nervous wreck. I was a nervous wreck because I felt like an unprepared teacher going into the first day of school, Um, you know, with with nothing to talk to my students about. And I felt comfortable knowing the finish. But 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 here's the problem. Just knowing the finish. What if we don't get to the finish (laughs) or we don't or what if we don't get to the finish where it works, where they call it on the spot? And now, all of a sudden, they've changed their finish that they've told me because that didn't work at the time when they're trying to call shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's oh, yeah. so many variables there. There's so many variables. you told me I'm a nervous son of a bitch. <laughs> me. <laughs> me. You know? At least there was just a little blood to get through. <laughs> just, just, just a little. About 18 puddles all through the mat. Wow,
2: right, <laughs> Brian. You mentioned bumps. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit what were what some of your most harrowing bumps that you ever took, and uh, one that you uh, some that you regret, uh, you regretted taking, some that you never want to take again. Tell us a few about those,
1: Jerry. I'll tell you, I've taken every bump in the world except from the top of the building to a table or four or five <laughs> of them. Yeah, um. I was a bumping machine, and I enjoyed it and I loved it. And uh, JBL will tell you, I never shied away from a bump. Uh, yeah. They were my pride. Uh, a fan made a, a bump reel for me the other day, and I watched oh, some yeah. of those. <laughs> I'd like to see that too. Uh, yeah, i would send it to you. It was unbelievable. I can't believe some of the shit I took. Well, it's what's the biggest?
2: What's the biggest bump uh, that you took?
1: Um, well, you mean like toughest to me, yeah, or toughest? Just like- yeah, they're, they're toughest to you. He's going to get mad, um, but I took a choke slam uh, for every day of my life on <laughs> three months tour uh, from the Big Show, and it had to be on the side where there's no fucking padding. and finally, I had to give in and gave up, and I had to go to Fit Finley and ask him to please take me out of that match, and Big Show's butt hurt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't him. It wasn't him. It was It was just over and over again. Oh, and it was on the side because the finish was in the center because it was a frog splash. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it just hurt, man. It, it started creeping on me. And my, my, my shit was getting tore up. And I was just like, I can't keep taking this. Um, but as far as Big Show goes, no. He he laid me down. But just you can't lay down or lay me down for three months straight for. Big Show was incredibly
0: safe. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He was so he was so strong and he's such a he's such a good athlete that big show always, you know, you, you fall from a very, very high distance, but <laughs> it, it he always put you down flat and safe and you know he chokes like me from the top of the rope to the through the ring that one time in Pittsburgh and you know when the ring collapsed and I'm sitting there, I'm gonna show you you understand my life's in your hands and I'm going backwards. Yes. He goes, don't worry. And he put me, he could, you couldn't have drawn a chalk line better than what he put me there. He put me perfectly. He knew, he knew he had to take care of me. And I, I had no doubt he was going to do it.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that he wasn't safe. What I'm saying oh, yeah, is yeah. the amount of those takes every night, you know, every night, night. Yeah. At and you're point, by your hard. body,
2: your body's not exactly built for a chokeslam every night either.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's it's not. It's no. not. Not but i a 400 be, pounder anyway.
0: You know, yeah, I yeah. buddy's story on Big Show. We, uh, we had the you know the rings, you know, the rings harder at times. So they had a, a place where I think Taker was gonna come up through the ring or go get choke slammed through the ring or something like that, anything like that. So me and Ron were fodder that night. I'm gonna get choke slammed, but you got to be careful because the ring you can't go through where the trap door was, but the ring was hard as a freaking rock. I had earrings at the time because part of the APA big slam, big show choke slammed me so hard my earrings popped out. And when I did, I told Ron, I go, rings hard as a rock, roll out. And before Big Show could grab him, Ron rolled out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jerry, I'll tell you this one. Here's here's one that was pretty good. Uh, This is my ingenious, stupid ass. Uh, So, like I said, I'm athletic. And uh, Taker came to me one day and he said, he wanted to, he, let's see, who was he working with? I think he was working with Brock. Um, And he said he wanted to bump me. And he said, "Get figure something out for me. I, I, I'm lost. I don't want to do a squisher in the corner. I said, me either. I don't want to do a regular ditto, da 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 He said, I want something creative. And I said, okay. I said, all right. So I, I, I came up to him and I went, take her. I got it. He goes, what is it? I go, it's not a squisher, but it's going to look like one, but it'll be different. And now it's done all the time. So now it doesn't sound ingenious, but uh, you're going to put him in the corner. You're going to go shoot him out. I'm going to get in the corner. You're going to reverse. Almost hit me. Everybody knows after that, here comes the squisher. And I went, but we're not going to do that. I'm going to feed out, play the dumb referee, like, ooh. Thank God it didn't get squished. I'm going to get behind Brock. You're going to go to clothesline him. He's going to duck and I'm going to take it and I'm going to do a 360 flip all the way around. Wow. And he goes, what do you mean? And I went, I need you to hit me good though. And I I said, (laughs) I I looked at him and I went, I want you to hit the fuck out of me, Taker. Don't be a bitch. (laughs) He looked at me and he went, you tell me where to hit you. And I said, Don't hit me down. Just don't spike me. Just hit me right across my chest, right around the neck area, as hard as you can, and I will give you a 360 bump and take the fucking best bump you've ever seen. He goes, do you want to practice? I went, fuck, no, I don't want to practice. (laughs) I got it. He said, okay, if you go back and look at that, it was a badass fucking bump, and it hurt like shit.
0: Uh (laughs) I remember that
1: very well yeah I stopped telling people to hit me so hard now because I, yeah. <laughs> I I thought I needed the momentum but I don't I just need you to just put it in there a little bit and now I, I can rotate over but it was it was uh that that was that was one where I had a headache and I was dinged up that kind of thing and Jericho gave me three power bombs one night uh I only remember one of them I don't remember the next <laughs> two and my dad dropped the people's elbow on me that night that was when we had the invasion angle. Right, um, but I'm taking some shit, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I'm going the oh, Okay, I-
2: tell, tell tell us this, and tell us the absolute truth, and don't kiss the guy's ass. But how stiff were the clotheslines from hell?
1: Well, I take a lot. <laughs> he was good to me. He was good to me. He was. He was good to me. He hit me up high. He hit me up high. I swear he, he didn't. He didn't drop me down. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I would take one tomorrow from him. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I've seen I've seen a lot of them that weren't friendly and my, my, I can't complain. He took care of me. Yeah. That's
2: not the answer I was looking for, though.
1: Gary, <laughs> I want to tell you right now, if I could bury him, I'd bury him, but I can't. He took care of me.
2: <laughs> he, he's not you're not gonna be booked book to get match with him either. I forgot promise you that hardest real retired
0: the hardest line was the one never thrown that was the one for chimmel
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying Jerry I'm not saying I didn't feel it what I'm saying is he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't coming on a freight train trying to kill me yeah
0: <laughs> you know, those the other one was fun was those, those international tours were so fun uh-huh. we had so much fun the crowds were just insane it just it was a fun, you know, it's one of those things where you say I do it for free and I wouldn't now because <laughs> I'm old, but you know, it's one of those things that, that was one of the most fun times of our life was doing those international tours. We had so much fun. That's when the boys, you know, and again, it was, it's hard to compare eras because we didn't have the internet. So we didn't have the option of being on the phone. We didn't have the option of, you know, being on social media. There wasn't social media. We, just had, we had the option of being around each other, but what
1: a great time that was.
2: What a great crew!
1: Well, we always have Dave Meltzer. Um, <laughs> he's always right. Uh, but no, you're you're right. They they were the finest times of my life, and that's that's actually, in all honesty, Jerry, JBO, you'll both agree with this. That's where you actually meet people and feel like who they really are. Have normal conversations where it's not at that TV setting where it's. Uh, uh you know everything going on everybody fighting and jockeying for position and all that stuff this is where you can relax you're on tour you're already there it's over with you don't have to know worry about getting well some of us have to worry about getting fired <clears throat> <laughs> um but anyway uh but no th- th- they were the relaxing moments where we yeah. all figure out each other and we all have fun together and we figure out like you know what that that jackass uh Johnny Ace ain't too bad, which I, I'm not saying that. Um, but you know what I mean? Like you figure out people like Fit Finley. I figured out Fit Finley. I love that man with all my heart, man. I, I really do. I, I don't know what y'all think of him, but I love Fit Finley. I, I I love him. He's a brother.
0: I think the world of him as a person and as a worker.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh
0: shit.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: I've, I've 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 loved Fit Finley since the day I met him in Europe. In, I think 93 or 94. It's. He's always been the same guy. This this good guy and he was he was solid. He was as top a guy as you could possibly get in Europe. He drew houses there in the same building for 15 20 straight years. He was an great worker. He was he's the same guy now as he was then. He's the same guy when he came in as he was then. He'd, Finley's never changed. He's always been the same good human being that he that he always is. Amen. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Brian, Brian, you seem really happy now. What What are you up to? I know you you mentioned you're retired. Are you just you 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 working now, or what What's going on in your life up in Virginia?
1: Uh, well, I have a family business that I've had for 46 years. I haven't had it for 46 years, but my family has, and um, we've now got two stores. Now we're growing, we're expanding, and it's a, it's a um uh, an appliance business. And uh, so we, we are basically the only group around this area that does things locally, family owned. Uh, we don't we don't ha- we don't send Dick and Harry to your house to get a washer and dryer. We send our guys to your house. We have our own service team. Uh, we have a bunch of other things. We have our own sales department, uh, things of that nature. So I run and control day to day operations there. Um, they're so happy that I'm out of wrestling. Actually, they're the ones that say, get into the wrestling. We hate you being fucking gone here. Here's the fucking money we want to give you. Um,
2: <laughs> and uh, then when you got back from your road trips, being the grouch that you
1: are. <laughs> yeah. They hate me. It, it, yeah. It, it, you know, here's the thing. I love wrestling with all my heart for real. I do. I do. Um, but where I'm at right now in my life, I don't miss the road. I don't miss the travel. I don't miss the hotel rooms. I don't miss the rental cars. I miss the camaraderie, and I miss being in the ring. But if all the other shit that I don't miss is consistent of that's what I want to do, then I don't want to do it. Uh, So I'm happy, man. I've got kids. I've got a kid in college right now playing college baseball. Uh, JBL, you remember? Yeah, where's your Uh, kid playing baseball? He's at Milligan University in Tennessee right now. He's going to probably transfer. But uh, anyway, he's there. He's he's, he's, he's earning his stripes. And then I have two 14-year-old daughters that are twins. They just went to high school this year, and, and a big part of that was was them because girls need their daddies, and I know that's important. And um, I'm fortunate and happy enough that I've put money away, that they're, I'm able to walk away and be able to have a nice life. And I, know, I, I owe it all to wrestling. I owe it all to wrestling, and I really do. Everything I've got.
0: That's awesome. Good for you, Brian. And you got a podcast that you're having Mr. Briscoe on, right?
1: Yeah, we're going to take tomorrow. It drops on Wednesdays. It's called reffing it up, and I am going to drill him tomorrow. I cannot wait. Uh, I was was a good guy
2: tonight. That's the reason I've been real quiet. I was a good guy tonight. I'm afraid of (laughs) repercussions tomorrow.
1: No, I'm going to be nice to you, but I have some stuff I want to dig with you, though. It's going to be good. (laughs) Oh, good.
0: Well, I've seen uh, two generations of Hebners fight in in the ring to protect the
2: boys. (laughs) So, (laughs) where were they? they, Or was it Canada? That uh, no, 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 no. That that, that that was. That was. was Did did you ever hear this story about when when uh, Earl and Dave got in a fight with John?
1: JBL has talked to me at length with this at a bar one night. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was the only (laughs) only
2: one there
0: with the knife.
1: With the (laughs) knife. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. I was I was with the first one I mentioned was we were in Madison Square Garden where the rock was making the entrance, and some fan jumped the ring and Earl got <laughs> Earl finally had to get down there and take care of the fan. I think I tell you what happened was the the fan jumped in, tried to jump in. me and Ron are waiting on him. Rock's on the ropes doing this stuff, and Billy Gunn takes the fan down and gives him to security. Security comes in, and the fan drags security all over ringside. Billy takes the fan down for a second time, takes him down and says, get him out of here. Billy lets him up, and he drags security around the ring again. Finally, your dad climbs down and just punches this guy <laughs> right in the nose. Blood <laughs> nose everywhere. And the guy's the guy just – he's not out, but he, he can't stand on his own. And Earl goes, get him out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you heavers are good. <laughs> so – but with, I, I in canada i'm sitting there with your uncle and your dad and all of a sudden uh earl starts talking to dave and said you've been messing with me since we were kids now don't you start this again and i'm going oh my god we're about to have a brother fight and <laughs> so dave said something back Earl says something to him. Now, all of a sudden stuff's coming up. That's 30, 40 years old. They're talking about when they were kids or about this, about that. And all of a sudden Earl punches Dave, Bam! just like he hit that fan in the garden. So they go to fighting. I'm the only one there among the boys. So I separate, they're in a restaurant in Canada. I separate them. I said, Earl, stop, stop. Earl, that's your brother. Earl goes John. I'm 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 sorry, you're right. That's my brother. He was suckering me in the minute I go, oh, <laughs> and when I when I look down, he punched him again. I was like, Earl, <laughs> stop it. So I looked down, and your uncle now has got a knife and he's about to cut Earl. And I'm like, oh my god, but it's a butter. it's a butter knife, it's not like a steak knife. Gonna, oh god, what do, oh. gnaw him to death. <laughs> so Earl's mad. They're everybody's drunk. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, i was- the Habners. The Habners. That's it all I can also- say. <laughs> I, I, I've seen a bunch of them, man. A so, Bunch so. of them. Well, there, 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 there's one little story I gotta tell you. This involves Bruce, uh Pritchard. Um, he had come down to uh TNA and I'm, I'm working a house show and uh D-Lo Brown is the uh agent. Um, obviously Bruce is not there. Um, uh, I'm in my old school mind. Okay. And, uh, Austin Aries comes down who has some decent heat, not no JBL heat, but he's got decent heat. And, uh, this kid stands up and he's just acting like a fucking ass. The security does nothing. Um, so I walk down when I didn't walk, I jumped out of the ring and I go over to the fan because the security had just pushed Austin Aries back. Never even fucked with the fan. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? So I go over to the fan, he stands up on the barricade and like, so now he's like 6'5 or some shit, stands over top of me and I'm like, dude, leave him alone, man. I was like, you know, whatever. He goes, hey, fuck you and spits right in my <laughs> face. He spits in my face. This was not even that long ago. Remember when Bruce was at TNA? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I stand up on the barricade and headbutt that fucker right in the face. <laughs> He's juicing, bleeding, all this bullshit. I just turn around, jump back in the ring, and Austin Aries goes, "Thank you, appreciate it." <laughs> long, long story short, that was the last day of the tour. And of course, D'Lo Brown rips into my ass. He goes fucking nuts. We gotta take the fan backstage. We gotta give him t-shirts. Da 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 made me go at this place we were at was tied to a bar. He made me go to the bar with this fucking fan and buy his shit. Which I did, which won't a problem. I understood, but I was pissed though, man. But anyway, um, so I paid for the guy's shit. I get back home, I land in Richmond the next morning, check my phone. There's a message, didn't know who it was from. It was Bruce Pabner. Uh. What the fuck? Uh. This isn't 1988 anymore. You can't jump out the ring and fucking hit fans. I understand you're protecting fans. I mean, your boys, but God damn. (laughs) Call me when you get this. So I call him. I call him. him I'm like, I know I fucked up, Bruce. Brian. I respect what you did, but it's different. We're 2021. (laughs) He's looking for a fucking lawsuit, I'm sure. And I went, What do I need to do? Well, nobody's going to know about this. This was like in December. And he says, I'm going to suspend you with no pay for the rest of the year. He goes, and that's only three shows. And I went, <laughs> okay. He goes, then I'm going to decide to bring you back the first week of January when we have shows. And I went, <laughs> so I'm good. He went, stop doing that shit. It's not no <laughs> more. Yeah. And you're thinking,
0: I got Christmas off with pay. Yeah, I want pay.
1: No, no, no. He, he he didn't pay me. He didn't pay me. He said, I only missed three shows of pay. <laughs> And then January come right back, but I've just did like fucking twenty days that I get paid for for Christmas. (laughs) That's all good. (laughs) Bruce is the man. I love Bruce.
0: Bruce is awesome. Uh, Bruce is awesome.
2: uh, Brian, man, uh, go ahead, John.
0: I'm sorry. I'll tell you a quick story about a fan, Eddie Guerrero. You may have been there in Winnipeg when Eddie beat up the fan, and Chavo jumped in. Well, anyway, the guy pours Eddie. So Jack Lanza had friends there in Winnipeg. And he goes, hey, John, would you watch the show for a bit? I got to go talk to <laughs> me. I said, okay. So I'm sitting there watching the show. I, I, I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm telling guys when to go. Wait, 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 wait uh,
1: a minute. One second, one second. You said you said Jack Lanza had friends in Winnipeg? <laughs> yeah. He had, he had friends everywhere. But good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jack had friends. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, he did. <laughs> so Jack, I'm sitting at the curtain. Guy pours a beer on Eddie. I, and I, I mean, I've been, mean, this like two minutes since Jack's left. Eddie gets mad and punches. The guy jumps over the rail and starts beating the guy up. Well, his friend, his buddies try to help him. Eddie starts beating them up too. So I'm sitting there going, what the hell do I do? I can't go out there. I'm Eddie's <laughs> yeah. nemesis. So I'm like looking around Chavo's there. I said, Chavo, help your uncle. Chavo runs out. Jumps the rail and hits the guy closest to Eddie. Now it's Eddie <laughs> and Chavo beating up everybody. <laughs>
2: so, you're oh, dumbass. You're dumbass, no, no,
0: <laughs> no. Finally, security gets it settled. I'll get it down. Jack comes back like a few minutes later and he goes, Everything fine? I go, Oh yeah. He goes, any yeah. issues? Go, no, nothing. <laughs> I'm not, I've been an agent for two minutes and I had a huge fight.
3: <laughs> a few That's weeks great. later,
0: they they because it. Did anything happen in Winnipeg that you didn't tell us about? (laughs) There could have been something.
1: (laughs) Right, right. That's awesome, dude. I mean, the stories are like forever, man, you know?
0: Yeah, they are. A lot of fun. Well, Brian, I know you got to go because you got to get ready for your big podcast with Gerald Briscoe.
1: The – I've actually got look these are this is what I got for tomorrow. Like I got sheets. I got, Holy he'll shit! That up. He'll he'll try to blow the screen up and cheat.
2: Yeah, I I got I got the answers right here too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I sent him the link. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey
0: Brian,
1: thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thank you, boys. I I really do love you both, man. Um, I really appreciate the the respect y'all didn't have to give me. i um, hopefully that I earned and. Uh, all not only respect I, we love you
2: yeah we love you brother you're, you're one of I, us so
1: i love you guys too and i really do appreciate it. it's it been an honor and i was actually believe it or not was actually looking forward to today all day long just to see both of you even including jbl
2: <laughs> well you, you're you're hard up for friends then brian i'm sorry
0: <laughs> you did send a text saying you're gonna knife me <laughs> that's
1: that's not true <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, you take care, and I'm looking forward to seeing you
1: tomorrow or whenever the hell we're on. Uh, all right, thank you, buddy. Uh-